Welcome to Ability Stories Podcast, where we discuss the successes, challenges, and stories of people with disabilities. I'm your host, Tara Briggs. To contact me, please send an email to abilitystories at gmail.com. You run a ranch at your house. Uh-huh. Um, tell me about what got you what got you into that. It's a small ranch, but um, some um, Sandy and I have always owned the 12 acres here. And Sandy's your wife. Uh-huh. Sandy's yeah. my wife, thanks. <laughs> no and, worries. Uh, important stuff to, to, <laughs> to relate here. Uh, but Sandy's my wife, and uh, we've owned this for a lot, a lot of years. And when our kids were small, we lived in Roy. And um, we used to take wood chips from the uh, tree uh, people that cut down the trees and ran them through the chipper machines. And then we would they could unload their wood chips here to help them out because they didn't have to pay a dumping fee to do that. And we could take them here. We uh, would take pitchforks and it was a lot of labor. And we would uh, push those and throw those chips out. And then we would put a nice sand or dirt over the top of them. As a result, over the years, those chips have turned into nice black soil. The reason we did that is on the 12 acres here, at one point years and years ago, they took dirt out of this property here to build up the ditch banks around West Haven. That's the way we build it up. Then when the Winter Olympics were here in the state of Utah, uh, at that point in time, they were putting the sewer in West Haven. Uh, as a community, we decided to take out the federal loan, have the sewer installed, and no longer be on septic. And that was a real good thing for Sandy and I, because we had not built here yet. And so they um, were able to get the the sewer in, but during the sewer project, we agreed to take the dirt that they dug out to put in the sewer. And so at one point during those winter months, we had 50 trucks an hour going through this property. They would come in this gate on the south and come out the gate on the north. And uh, we dumped all that dirt here. And then the agreement I made with them is if we allowed them to dump it here, they had to bring their quick, big equipment and level it off every day. Mm. So that gave us enough dirt to finally build here. And we did that. But uh, we've been raising, uh, we had two horses here to begin with. And we started raising those about 25 years ago. Finally, the kids lost interest in the horse and the last mare had a heart attack one morning. I found her down here by the side of the barn. And so at that point, mm -hmm. we got out of the um, out of the horse business. And before the horses were gone, my uncle came out here one day and he said, why don't you, you got to use that land for something and just horses. He says, why don't you raise cows? So then we got into raising cows. And the cows have been great, Tara. The cows have been really good to us. And we're not big ranchers, but there's enough here to keep us busy. And Sandy and I just enjoy working on the fences and keeping them up, uh, working on the other stuff and, and keeping it going around here. So right now we have 13 cows and three goats. Uh, we lease a bull every year from Grant's Range Bulls. 
they bring the bull about the 1st of July and he's here till about the middle of October. And he gets all the, the breeding stock uh, pregnant. Uh, right now we have about seven cows out there that are pregnant and we hopefully they'll all calve successfully this spring during the next month, the month of April, the month of May. And that's the way that works. Uh, we found it's much more reasonable to lease a bull than it is to raise a bull. At one time we raised a bull down here. Mm. And um, you you have to swap the bull out anyway every couple of years. So it's just much more reasonable to um, have a, a leasable. Our cows are black Angus. Um, and they're, they're, they're beef. They're beef, beef cows, right? Uh-huh, they're beef cows. And so we have um, the breeding stock. Uh, we have one cow that's been out there for 18 years. Uh, oh, and wow. she's getting pretty old at this point. But can you imagine having a having a baby every year for like seventeen years? No, no. That, that's no. your life, yeah. Well, no, thank you. That's that's what some of these <laughs> female cows do. Um, anyway, we have a portable butcher that comes in and butchers one every year or every other year, <coughs> and we keep our kids in meat and us in meat, and we give meat to those that are in need in the community and around the area. So that's usually what we do with it. Once in a while, I'll sell a cow at the auction, or I'll, I'll trade one of the neighbors for a cow, or one of theirs that I want, and one of mine I want to get rid of. So we, we've done some of that. So what do you, what, what's your favorite part about it? Um, I think my favorite part about it is the, is the challenge. In any kind of ranching you do, you're going to have difficult situations. You're going to have uh, periods where it's, it's real hard. And this last month, the last three weeks, I guess, has been a real hard time. But you're going to have those kind of periods, and it's looking for solutions to get through those those tough times, those tough periods. Uh, I think that's what I, I, I like about it most. And after you've done that, you feel like you've really accomplished something. Um, the challenge has been that the electric fence on the south side quit working and um, in walking the fence line we found that the cows had rubbed up against it so now the fence had to all be the electric fence had to all be replaced on that side and I had a neighbor come by and said well while you're doing it you got to have electric fence along the back and electric fence along the front and it ought to be double stranded and I've always had it single and so uh, looking for ways to do that and accomplish that has been a real chore but we're almost done with it now Mm. Uh, we'll uh, we'll finish it up next week and uh, and as a result we have a very secure pasture out there oh it's also around the white fence that separates the yard from the pasture so we'll have a very secure pasture and I hope there's no way a cow can get out in the future. We've had very few, very few get out over the years. I think one uh, red one, red cow that we bought at the auction got out about 20 years ago. But uh, that's, Does that that's cause the havoc only one. when they uh, get out? Is that well, a problem just, when they get out? Your, just neighbor, <laughs> your neighbors don't like it very well because, you know, your cow's in their property and right. uh, the guy on the south raises lucer and hay, so he doesn't want his lucer and hay disturbed. Oh, sure. Um, the guy on the north. I'm sure the, the, I mean, the cow would be happy to disturb the hay. Oh, sure. <laughs> the guy on the north of me just has a pasture, so he's somewhat more understanding of that whole thing. But, um, you know, it's, it's good to just keep them in and keep them secure. That, that's what you attempt to do. 
So we, we butcher a steer about every other year. and We have a portable butchering guy that comes in and, and shoots the cow and butchers the cow and does all that. But it's, it's a very good hobby. It's a good hobby for the grandkids. You know, it's, it's good for our kids when they come around. Um, during the summer now, we all kind of work at getting the hay in the barns and, and getting that all accomplished. Um, I have a cousin up in um, Wellsville who's enabled the Sandy and I to stay in the cow business. He has about a 40-acre ranch, mm -hmm. and he just raises hay on most of that now. So he brings us down a semi-truck loader to a hay a summer, and we in turn give them some of the beef. So it all works out okay. Oh, that's awesome. So that's, uh, that's what we do there. So it's, it's, a, good, it's a good program. We had, uh, we had some of our beef for dinner today. So we did, and it was divine. So that was. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, and, and it's neat to be able to share that with people and do that. And I, I just really enjoy that. And you know, it's. Um, I remember when we, uh, when uh, Sandy and I first started coming down here, and started improving this property, the neighbors who would just stand there and they would look and just scratch their heads. And say to Sandy, I don't know, Sandy, are you going to make a farmer out of him? <laughs> and she'd say, you bet I am. And, uh, you know, I think our cows are as big as any cows in the area now. We, we raise them pretty large. Uh, we do pretty well that way. And I, I'm, I'm proud of that. And, um, you know, now people come to us and say, I want to get started doing a few cows. How do I do it? And that's just an honor to be asked to know they have that kind of confidence in you. To, to be asked to share information on that. And I, I just really like it. You know, I, I just hope us small ranchers can stay in the business because it's getting harder and harder to do that. Um, you know, hay gets more and more expensive. Um, all the building homes and apartments that are going in around us and where they used to raise hay, they don't uh, raise it anymore. And it's just becoming very limited and tougher to do that. And I hope that in the future, now uh, we're able to continue raising cows for a while. We've tried to set up our little uh, thing here so we can uh, do it as we get older. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. uh, so it's easy for us, and that's how we've tried to do it. But um, Kira is our granddaughter, is very helpful to us in uh, doing these cows. She's able to feed them and do just about everything at this point. Uh, she's real helpful. And uh, anytime somebody ask her if something hurts when she's hurt herself or or if uh, she's okay she says yep i'm a tough farm girl it's the way i've got to be so uh, <laughs> that's that's how she kind of feels about the whole thing and you know she is a tough farm girl she's uh, able to do it all at this point so that's cool how does how does blindness factor into, into it oh i think the neighbors kind of wondered if i was going to make it sometimes you know I did you ever wonder oh yeah did you oh yeah I remember um, uh, one uh, Saturday morning we were down here and the wind was blowing pretty hard and we were trying to get the two horses so we could put the tack on them and the kids and the rest of us could ride for a while and I ran down in the field with my son mm. and he just jumped on one horse and I jumped on the other and I said well are we going to lead him up he says no I'm going to ride mine you ought to ride yours and I says okay so he headed out and my horse followed and the wind was blowing and I started to kind of 
wobble on the back of that horse. I, I was holding on for dear life and the wind was blowing tremendously and the horses just took off running. And uh, anyway, all of a sudden a big gust came along and I lost my balance and went off the horse, mm. landed on a big rock and uh, well, a big pile of rocks and I broke four ribs and rolled and rolled forever. Oh. I remember the old cowboy that lives across the street from us coming over to see if I was all right. And he came over and kicked me with the toe of his boot. And he says, well, Bill, everybody's got to pay the price. Get up and brush yourself off. And so I did, although I was hurt really bad, oh. but I did and, uh, and walked on. And, you know, that's what you have to learn is that in anything you do, Tara, everybody's, you got to pay the price. And I had to pay the price down here. And, um, you know, there's, I can do most things. I, I can. Um, I have to get a neighbor to help me with some tractor work now and again. And, mm -hmm. and they're glad to do that because I make a fair exchange with them. I take his one or two cows that need to be pregnant when I get the bull. And then he comes and does tractor work for me. So in whatever you do, you need to, you know, if you're not able to do something or you don't feel confident about it, you, you got to develop a relationship like that so people yeah. feel it's fair. I, I remember I remember in college I, I went to a, I was taking flute lessons and it was a lady that didn't live anywhere near the bus line. And so kids um, at the university uh, would, would take me. And my favorite people who drove me were the kids that would let me pay them gas money. Yeah. Because it's so important to feel like you're giving back. Yeah. And contributing. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, you know, they would come and just do it for me. They would do that. But um, I just feel like I have to return something. So that, that's how we do it. We kind of exchange services like that. And it, it, So I have his cow here all summer. And we get her pregnant, and then he takes her back. And that's kind of how that works. So what do you, um, like what have you learned how to do with Outsight that kind of has been memorable or... You know, uh, fencing, uh, electric fences, I've learned how to do. I've learned how to do regular fencing with T-posts and straight and barbed wire. Uh, I've learned to do that, although I've pinched my fingers a number of times. Mm. Um, I, I can do that and accomplish that. I've learned how to bury cable under gates mm -hmm. and in other areas uh, for the electric fence and have buried cable. Um, uh, I've learned how a tractor runs and operates and things that you can do with a tractor, which has been very helpful. Um, I've learned that there are certain things that Sandy and I do by hand that keep us going and in pretty darn good shape that the neighbors are just aghast that we do those things. Oh, really? So like such what? As, such as cleaning out the barns and the stalls on our own. Um, we have a concrete pad underneath them and we'll go down with big scoop shovels and wheel barrels and clean those and scoop the the um, cow manure into the wheelbarrows mm -hmm. and then I'll haul the wheelbarrows out and dump it out in the pasture. And, and you know, our neighbor, just don't do farming that way. You don't do it that way. Just let us bring our tractor in and do it for you. Well, I, I've done that as I get older because it's not as easy to, to haul those wheelbarrows out as it used to be. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we, we still do clean our, our own uh, area there to a degree and, 
and it keeps us in good shape and and we continue to do it so um, although I have some some tractor work at the end of the winter we uh, basically clean the clean the barn area out on our own oh so that's what we do so what do you do what do you do with the cows what do you, how do you do you like do you have to bring in hay and to feed them or what do you yeah my cousin brings in the two semi truck loads a year mm -hmm. and then I have a hay guy I buy some for over here that still raises fine hay in his pasture and I purchase some from him and then if you ever you get a good deal on hay we, we buy that so it uh, it works out pretty well Tara we, we do all right with hay do you ever have you ever been kicked by a cow I remember oh, I've yeah. read the James Harriet books and they... oh yeah 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 yeah, I've been uh, I've been kicked by the cows, um, you know, just in a group of them out in the pasture doing work, and I don't realize I'm going up behind one, and I'll disturb the cow, and it, it's come back on me and kicked me. Oh. Um, you know, you 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 learn to deal with stuff like that, and you get over it, and as as long as you don't break a bone in the process, you're in pretty good shape. <laughs> I I had that fall off the haystack. I don't know if you're a where are that? That was kind of a, a scary thing. What happened? Um, I don't think I remember oh, hearing about that. Uh, the week before Thanksgiving, I was, um, we had some hay that wouldn't fit in the barn. We had it stacked outside the barn. We had it tarped. And there was a bad wind that afternoon. The tarp blew off. So I went down with my son-in-law to re-tarp that stack of hay. And I got the ladder and I got up on the stack of hay and I'm pulling the tarp over it and he's on the other clear over on the other side of it mm -hmm. and I feel that stack start to wobble and I said Todd the stack's gonna go down he says yeah you better get off so I try to move over to the side by the ladder and find the ladder with my left foot and I couldn't find the ladder and he's trying to hold up the stack of hay he's now down on the ground trying to hold up the stack of hay and get my foot on the ladder well before he could accomplish that the whole thing collapsed mm. and I um I was up about, oh, 15 feet, oh. and I landed on, I used the chimney stones or bricks to hold up the feeder tubs, and one happened to be um, sitting out, and when I went down uh, and landed, my, the back of my head hit the, hit the chimney stone, and um, anyway, I remember trying to get up, and <laughs> Todd pushing me back down and saying, no, Dad, you're hurt bad, I got to go for help. So I um, laid there, and I remember Sandy and Kira coming, and Sarah, our daughter, Todd's wife, and um, they're all trying to get me up. I had about eight bales of hay land on me, mm. and Todd was trying to throw those bales off. And I get up, and I said, Sandy, my, the back of my head feels wet. And she looks at it says, oh, my gosh, you split your back of your head wide open. That's what happened when I landed on the chimney stone. All I could think about is how bad my back hurt and the end of my tongue. I must have bit my tongue. <laughs> so anyway, um, they, uh, my family doctor came and he was, he just, when he walked in the room, he just stood back with his hands behind him and said, what have you done now? <laughs> anyway, so he says, Bill, there's an answer to it. He says, we'll get you fixed up. So anyway, I had 21 staples in the back of my head to hold oh. it together. When was this? And then a week before Thanksgiving. Oh, just recent, just this yeah, last. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And I got a concussion. So Sandy kept having to wake me up every two hours and asking me who the president was and stuff. Oh. Anyway, um, I did get a concussion and I had a 
real difficult time remembering numbers or remembering names after it happened. So it scrambled my head pretty well. Mm. And all that's coming back now. I also at times have a hard time um, in situations like this and speaking and doing it real quickly. But uh, it's, it's happening. It, it's coming back. And uh, the doctor says it'll happen a little bit at a time. And it's been much better now than it was two months ago. So that's what I have to keep remembering and keep going. Yeah. Tara, people's comments after that happened were very interesting. There were things uh, people would call Sandy over and say, why weren't you on top of that haystack? Which makes utterly no sense at all because it would have collapsed on her too. I mean, being blind had nothing to do with the haystack collapsing. Right. So, so they said, why, why do you do it, Bill? Why don't you pay somebody to do it for you? Well, because I kind of enjoy the stuff, and I enjoy being active, and I enjoy being down there, and I enjoy being involved with the cows and, and doing that kind of stuff. So it, it's important to me to do it. My son-in-law blamed himself for a long time for it happening. And finally, I had to sit him down and say, look, Todd, it wasn't your fault. I said, the haystack was going to collapse re regardless of what you would have done. It, it, you did everything you could. And he was very efficient. Once he seen that I was hurt, he ran for help and got people there within minutes. And they got me to the doctor real fast and everything. Well, so, I think... And I just think that, that people's... Re because I was a blind guy, you know, people's reactions to the whole thing were somewhat different. I mean, Don Stokes, my good friend over here, he fell off... Um, his haystack out in his barn and landed on the concrete and severely bruised one of his kidneys and was in the hospital for two days. Uh, there was never any question about that. That's just what Don has to do, and he had an accident. But when it happened to me, it wasn't that's just what Bill had to do and he had an accident. It's, that's just what Bill had, was doing, and he shouldn't have been doing it. He did it, and it happened because he was blind. So I, I just um, hope that we move beyond that. I guess that's. I my think hope. that's the hope of every person yeah. with a disability that, because that it just happened because I was working and I had a haystack collapse, and it'll yeah. probably never happen again. But it did that once. There were blessings to it. If I would have landed four inches to my left, I would have landed on a cast iron tub that I feed the cows in, and that probably would have cut me in half. Mm. So you know, there's there's blessings to it. You have to look on the bright side. So the most difficult thing was right afterwards, the doctor asked me how to spell um, world backwards. And I got the first three letters. I couldn't get the rest of the world. And I says, Doc, my, hurt, my head's hurting too bad. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And he says, try cat for me. I'll see if you can do cat. And I can do cat. And he says, you're getting better. He says, you're <laughs> going to get better. You know, I think it's so interesting what you've um, brought up because I think... I think that's the hardest part about having a disability. You know, you can do the problem solving, you can learn how, in your case, to run a ranch, and yet something happens that happens to everybody, and it's immediately the disability that is brought in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I hope someday in our society we're able, able to move beyond that. I do too. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. But I'm back doing the cows again and doing the fences again and everything else. And the speech problem, it's... Uh, it's slowly going away, and the, the numbers problem is slowly going away, too. And mm -hmm. The doctor told me I'd have that, and he says, It'll, you'll, you'll soon get it all back. And well, I've kept you I at don't. this for a while, and you've been speaking so Yeah, funny. it's been fun. <laughs> Anything else about about um, about running a ranch that you want to 
Talk about oh, that. I just think it's possible for any blind person who wants to get into it or anything else they want to do beyond being a cab driver or an airplane pilot. Yeah. You can pretty much find a way to do most things. And I think, I hope that the services are available and funded in the future so that blind people are able to do that. I would love to help blind people at any point get involved in ranching. I've done some of that. Yeah, I remember. In, in you, you, you did that with a few people. Yeah, didn't you? Go and, down I, and I hope that we're able to do that in the future. And um, You know, whether they want to raise pigs or sheep or cows or whatever. I, I had a great experience here about a, uh, last summer. Um, I, uh, my cousin knows a guy in, uh, outside of Page, Arizona, about uh, 20 miles who has a big ranch out there on the desert. And he he's, lives on about 40 acres and has built a big, nice home out there. Uh, but, you know, he also has his struggles, too, and his challenges. But, boy, he's about self-sustaining, and I just find that absolutely amazing. And we go fishing with him on Lake Powell. He does a project for the State Division of uh, Wildlife and Natural Resources. Mm-hmm. out on the lake and we go catch fish and it's great fun but we also help him on the ranch and we'll continue to do that is he blind or uh, no okay. no just he's just walk. 80 years old oh wow and his wife's about the same age and mm-hmm. you know they um operate this ranch out there and they're just happy as they can be and the, the grandkids come from salt lake and utah county and the kids and wherever else they come from to visit them yeah and and the the you know the kids all go, love going out on the boat on the lake and they love doing the ranch work with them and we love helping him out and I just kept thinking you know his his first name is Nob and I think keep thinking if Nob can do it so can I and he's eighty years old and uh, you know he provides me a great deal of of encouragement in those areas uh, okay. I'm going to do a little cattle business with him and he's going to take a calf a two or mine and raise them and so that's going to be a lot of fun that's cool. That's cool. Why did I mention him? I guess because he shows, he demonstrates a lot of uh, courage in what he does. Um, he has different challenges with water and other things, and he's able to get through those and run a good ranch down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think, um, I don't know. I, I love it when you, you have relationships with people that are mutually beneficial, and you feel like both people are contributing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important. Well, I have I have a little kind of at the the end of my interviews. I usually um, ask a couple of kind of final thought questions, and one of the questions I've been into asking people is, "What is blindness?" Or, well, as far as you know, yeah, what is what is blindness to you? I um, I believe that blindness is a significant disability. Mm-hmm. I believe we can acquire it in a number of different ways. Sometimes it's through injury. Sometimes it's congenitally through the birth process. But I believe that the um, end result as to how we ought to respond to blindness is pretty much ought to be the same in all individuals. And they should respond to it in dreaming dreams, um, acquiring all the skills that they possibly can um, educationally and through training. You know, I wish I could speak to every young blind person in the state of Utah 
and could convey to them that they should take advantage of every opportunity they have to learn new things. Uh, what are the things that everybody learns in education or what are there things that are specifically related to blindness? And don't ignore the things that are specifically related to blindness because without those, you'll never go anywhere as a blind person. You have to have those kinds of skills. So what I did, think... Talk about what, what skills do you think are... Uh, that are important? Yeah. Uh, cane travel is, is really important. Uh, Braille is extremely important. Uh, home act or um, activities of daily living or cooking or cleaning or whatever you want to call it, that's important. Organizing your life, that's important. Um, uh, feeling self-confident, that's important. Learning, knowing that you can learn to do new skills like wood shop or whatever you want to do. Um, I'm probably going to take a class from the Utah State University Extension Service in cattle raising. Um, I doubt that they've ever had a blind guy in that class before. But I guess I'll be the first because I'm going to do that. And, and just knowing that you can do things like that. I think being aware, and you're very good at this, Tara, by the way, but being aware of what's going on around you. You know, I've observed blind people who just sit or just stand and don't participate in a conversation uh, with the public or they don't do much of anything. And I think that's really sad. So knowing what's going on in the world around you, being able to participate in conversations. You know, if I go into church and um, somebody says, um, Taylor West Weber Water has got a ditch problem down there in that ditch on 4,000 South. Um, what, do you th what do you think they're going to do about it? I've got to be aware of that ditch problem so I can discuss it with the guys, or I'm just not part of things. You understand? Yeah. So blind people have got to be aware of those kind of issues around them. I, I don't know if you remember Nolan Crabb. But I remember hearing a lot about you, him, but I, yeah. never, I didn't. Well, he, well, he wrote for a while for the Island Standard. And I remember him speaking to a bunch of young blind kids once. He says, if I ever went to the office and didn't know what was going on, so I was not able to discuss it with the other people there, I would just be an outcast. He says, so if the World Series is going on, you got to be able to talk about it. He says, if we got a possibility of going to war in Iraq, you've got to be able to talk about those kinds of issues to people in the workplace and people in your community and people around you. So I think the whole point is that blind people need to be aware of what's going on around them, um, you know, in the world, nationally, and in their communities. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then my last question that I can think of is... Um... What are the most important lessons that you think, you kind of answered this, but what are the most important lessons that you think you have learned that you'd like to pass on to, I don't know, maybe parents who have blind children or blind people themselves or, or kind of anybody with a disability? Uh, parents who have blind children, uh, first of all, let them be kids. Let them, be, uh, let them do what other 10 and 11-year-olds do and 12-year-olds, etc. cetera. Uh, so let them be kids. Let them... Uh, you know, act silly and laugh and have fun with other kids. Let them play games that other kids play. Uh, let them be involved with, with other kids. I think that's really important. Um, lessons for other blind people. 
Again, I would emphasize gaining good skills so you're independent. At whatever you do, be the very level best you can be. Um, I'm sure, Terry, you would agree with this, that you not only have to be in a vocational area, uh, an average, um, you have to be better. If you're going to be an average employee, that's got to be better than an average sighted employee because people are constantly looking at you. They're constantly reviewing what you do. They're constantly waiting for you to make a mistake or an error. Now, that may be unfair, but that's the way it is. If yeah. you're going to be a great employee, you gotta you got to be a little bit better than that and uh, than, than a graded sighted employee. You know, my, my wife's always said in different career areas, well, it would be hard for a female to um, survive in that area. And she believes that as a female, there are certain vocational areas you got to be a little bit better in um, than, than your male counterparts uh, at, the, at the legislature. I believe that's true. I think you do have to be better up there than, than your male counterparts. Um, uh, there's, there's other areas like that, though. And, and that may be unfair to the blind and to other people with disabilities, but quite honestly, that's how human nature is, and that's how humans react to those things. And so um, you do. You have to be a little bit better, so you, you have to strive to, to be that way and to be better and to fit into those kinds of roles in careers and employment and otherwise. And what about you? What do you think one of the most important lessons you've learned along your journey? One of the most important yeah. I've, lessons I've learned... I would say the most important, but maybe it's hard to narrow it down. <laughs> um, that as long as you're willing to invest the time and the energy, you can succeed at just about anything. We talked earlier today about travel, for example, and Sandy and I have been a lot of places. Um, you know, Cambodia was one of the most memorable, where I took the canes to the blind people in Cambodia. Um, India is definitely a, a memorable place. Um, those, those kind of places have been very memorable, and I think I've learned that you can participate in in those kinds of things and be successful at them if you're willing to spend the time and the energy. I remember being at a football game at the U up in Rice Eccles Stadium and I was um, pretty much on my own with a couple of people sitting in back of me and I had to go out to the restroom and I put it off and I put it off till I couldn't put it off any longer. <laughs> And so I thought, well, I better get out my cane and walk to the top. And so I did. I took my cane and I walked to the top. I knew sort of where the restroom was. And as I walked in, I said to a guy next to me, am I close to the men's restroom? He said, it's right in front of you. Keep walking. And so I walked in and uh, left the restroom and found my way back to my seat. And I thought, huh, it is possible. But without making that effort, I would have still been sitting there in great pain and agony and would have never left of the restroom. And I think when we participate in those kind of things, we just got to be willing to reach out a little, to do what's different or, uh, for us and, and not always the, the ordinary kinds of things. 
when I was a debater at Weaver State that we talked about earlier in this interview, um, the coach called me in when I was a freshman. He says, you know, you're kind of a cocky sort of kid. And he said, um, you really need to humble yourself some. Mm. And I said, really? And he says, yeah, really. He says, so I'm going to give you an experience. He says, to keep your scholarship, he says, you're going to have to go to this school in Weber County that is for very disabled kids an afternoon a week. And I want you to spend two or three hours there and work with these kids. He says, and the teachers there are going to give you that opportunity. And that made me feel really uneasy, Tara. He knew exactly how to get me. It, it hurt to have to do that. Okay? I, I did not feel confident at all about that. But I got out there and I got working with these kids. And yeah, wow. There were some kids in some pretty desperate situations. Family situations. Um, had a myriad of disabilities involved there. And that was good for me. And I did that for like 10 weeks during a semester. And I came by, back a much kinder, humbler, uh, more involved person in things. Mm. And, and so I think sometimes we need to stretch a little bit to do things that are uncomfortable for us, um, to do things that, that we really don't in, enjoy doing too much. And, uh, and, and through that, if we really reach out, we really try, we really get involved in them, we'll, we'll learn that there's new things we can do, that we can participate in, and that we can be successful at. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank it's you. Been really, really fun to visit. I've, I've just enjoyed the interviews I've been able to do so far because I feel like I get to know so much more about people and get to cool. know them on a whole new level. So. Thank you so much for having us over and doing the interview. Yeah, it was great. Uh, <laughs> it was really nice. Thank you for joining us on Ability Stories. Please review this podcast in iTunes. To comment on this episode, please go to abilitystories.podbean.com. If you have any show ideas or would like to be a guest on Ability Stories, send an email to abilitystories at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. <laughs>